0: I think the aspect I like the most is just visiting the partners in the field and seeing these activities taking place and these products being accessible in the market.
1: Hi, I'm Aviva Kutnik, an Agriculture Development Officer at USAID, and this is the podcast about making agricultural products and services profitable in smallholder farmer markets. It is a Feed the Future Partnering for Innovation program implemented by FinTrack, and funded by USAID, the U.S. Agency for International Development. And this is episode four. In the previous three episodes, we've discussed examples of partnerships and looked at how we select partners. In this episode, we're going to start looking at how we operationalize the partnerships. And to do so, we will hear about an ongoing partnership in Malawi with a company called Rab Processors. But first, let's talk to Bob Rabatsky, Partnering for Innovation's director, and Elisa Burrows, partnership manager, about why Partnering for Innovation works with businesses to expand or enter into new smallholder farmer markets.
2: So we partner with the private sector because they are the organizations, the companies, that are gonna be around once we're done, if we do our job well. This whole notion of sustainability and scaling, particularly for technologies and better services for small farmers, is critical to the success of the, the, the agricultural community in, the, in these countries. They aren't out there now. They, they need to get out there and uh, they need to get established and be profitable businesses.
3: Right. And we talk about this a lot. And the smallholder market is huge. 500 million people that agribusinesses can serve. So when private businesses find viability among the smallholder markets, it helps reduce development assistance needed. Uh, And that's because businesses now fill that missing niche in the agricultural system.
1: As Bob explained, partnering for innovation develops partnerships that ultimately bring benefits to smallholder farmers. And critically, we partner with private sector businesses because we want there to be an ongoing incentive for continued and sustained services to smallholders beyond the partnership timeline. And you may be wondering, what's in it for the private sector? Elisa Burrows, a partnership manager, can give us some more details.
3: So in the context of this program, a partnership is where the program and the private sector company are coming together to achieve mutual goals. For us as a program, these are development goals. And for the company, it's expanding their business into new markets or new regions or into new products that will benefit our target audience. Both of us are bringing together our expertise. Both of us are bringing money that we're investing into these activities. And both of us are looking to achieve mutual goals. We're also able to provide acceleration services. So, technical expertise that they may not normally be able to identify themselves, whether it's um, a technical expert that's helping with a production line, uh, whether it's a business expert helping with a marketing strategy. We can help connect them to some of the foremost people in the field to help them do that.
1: Okay, so in these partnerships, Partnering for Innovation achieves its goals by improving or expanding services to smallholder farmers. And the private sector benefits because they get additional capital. And also because they have access to USAID and Partnering for Innovation's Rolodex of contacts, expertise, and other services that can help their bottom line. Not a bad deal. But how do we find these partners in the first place? Let's review quickly with Elisa. Elisa.
3: Partnering for Innovation selects partners through a competitive process after designing an investment opportunity with a USAID mission. Mm-hmm. And once we design the overarching strategy, we draft a request for applications that has a specific goal. And that can be a specific value chain or a specific geographic region. And we release that and any business that qualifies and meets the criteria can apply. Our review committee, which is typically made up of technical and development experts, rates the applications and shortlists um, usually around five companies. We then complete a thorough due diligence process, and for that, we visit their offices and meet with their leadership teams. Um, We visit their field operations and meet with farmers they're working with, Um, and through all that, we ask questions about their businesses, assess their processes, their capacities, their financials, and if everything looks good, we then negotiate a final subaward. For that, we work closely with the partner to negotiate agreement terms and um, budgets, We put a lot of effort into the due diligence process because getting that hard work done up front leads to more efficient management processes later on.
1: Elisa mentioned that a lot of effort is put into due diligence and negotiations for a few reasons. Another is to set clear expectations later in the management phase. It feeds into how the program's partnership managers, like Elisa, ensure strong and trusting relationships, provide unique value, and monitor progress toward our agreed upon partnership goals. This is what we want to explore in the rest of this episode. We'll hear now again from Bob and Elisa, first about building trust.
3: So when we talk about ensuring the health of the relationship or building a relationship based on trust, I think what's most important there is looking at how we initially interact, uh, which is during our due diligence and negotiation process. This is um, before we sign an official agreement, so early on we make sure that our objectives match up, so we're all moving in the same direction. There should be an equal level of engagement on both sides. We're all contributing money, time, and effort, and it's important that we view each other as equals in this partnership. Building trust is also about partners being able to discuss their challenges with us as equals so that we can support their performance in any way. We can add opportunities for technical expertise and for networking to ensure their success, It's important to emphasize that due diligence sets up clear expectations that create trust from the start. When you know what's expected all around, you can help each other meet all of the goals.
1: And providing unique value.
3: So providing a unique value is, I guess,
2: from a perspective of someone implementing these programs in in a number of different countries around the world, is you do have a network of, of contacts. You have a relationship beyond, the, you know, the, the individual partnership relationship that you can pull in and, and help drive the success of the program. And I think a great example is in Malawi, we were working with a company that's trying to introduce a, a new line of products. that's based on orange flesh sweet potato and Universal Industries, a local company that is in the processing business found the product, took it up, and wanted to experiment with some new products for the market, incorporating that. One of the challenges for Universal was actually, how do you market this new product? How do you get it out to customers and, and, and really show them, well, this is something new and different, and you should consider it and take it out. Their traditional products of, of uh, biscuits and, and chips and things on the market were very blandly branded and labeled, and so we uh, we were able to identify and hook them up with a consumer uh, marketing individual who's in the food business, and he went out there and spent spent a couple of weeks with with the team, and basically kind of assessed the market, looked at their product compared to other products on the market, and so he helped them kind of think through a different a different marketing and branding strategy for their product. To, to get it out there in the market a little bit better. and We develop these connections over years and years of of work in agriculture um, in these regions. We do develop networks of of consultants, uh, specialists from the industry, and uh, I think that that's one, one of our real value adds because we do work very heavily on commercialization of agriculture.
3: For example, as a partnership manager, through talking with my partners and the mission in Nigeria, we identified a common challenge of increasing sales of agricultural products and services among smallholder farmers. So to address that challenge, Partnering for Innovation used our resources to hire a financial expert to go to Nigeria and do a a broad analysis of the market but also work with partners on their very specific challenges and through that he was able to provide two of the partners with specific action plans and specific steps to take to help facilitate financing for their customers. And as a result, we have um, partners are, are now entering negotiations with financial institutions to develop models that really work for their businesses and for their uh, smallholder customers.
1: And lastly, monitoring progress towards agreed-upon goals.
3: For example, we have um, monthly check-in calls, and those calls are usually structured around progress updates and milestone tracking, uh, but we also do a lot of troubleshooting in those calls. So if there's an issue um, with, say, a marketing campaign or engagement of a specific customer, like youth or women, we can work together to find a solution. And we've built in um, flexibility by using milestones. So we can quickly change a strategy or find a um, value-added partner to help or even bring in some technical assistance. Also, we collect a lot of data through the milestones that partners submit. So if a partner has to reach 50,000 farmers, it's not just one milestone. It's broken out into several over the life of the partnership. And you can get a good idea of how things are going based on how easily or how difficult it is to achieve those milestones. So there are a lot of checkpoints for how we can make sure the milestones and final goals are reached.
1: When partnering for innovation sees success in all three of these areas, building trust, providing unique value, and monitoring progress towards agreed upon goals, the outcome is clear and transparent agreement where both partners are working towards a common goal. There's trust and there's openness to identify and address issues and find the resources necessary to get where we want to go successfully. At the end of it all, a partner has a stronger business and they've entered a new market, and hopefully they'll find it profitable and will be ready to grow to the next level. At the same time, development goals identified as critical for smallholder farmers are achieved, providing good value for the US government. Now, to go into a few more details about how our partnerships work, we're going to look at an example from one of our current partnerships in Malawi with a company called Rab Processors. Let's hear from one of their employees.
4: I am Bashir Sama, I'm with uh, RAB Processors Limited in Malawi. We are an agro-processing firm. We have rural outlets called Kulima Gold Depots where we supply farm inputs to the farmers as well as buy the crops or local commodities from the farmers.
1: RAB Processors had three key products and services that Partnering for Innovation liked because of the potential for food security results and RAB's viability as a company. These products and services were, first, that they own and operate a series of shops that sell agriculture inputs like seed, fertilizer, and equipment to farmers. Second, they have a commodity buying business that purchases commodities from farmers. And third, they have what's called a warehouse receipts service that allows farmers to store their product after harvest, collect a receipt, and then redeem that later in the year at a time when the farmer can get higher prices. Let's hear a little more from Partnering for Innovation's Mark Severe, who manages this partnership.
0: So, the partnership with raw processors was kind of uh, chosen within the context of a larger portfolio. And it was really two things that I think they proposed that both Partnering for Innovation and the Malawi mission really liked. One was obviously the commodity buying activities that they were proposing, but it was also the warehouse receipts and they were integrating innovative financing within the buying model. And I think that is additional value that we look for as a project.
1: As Mark is explaining, of the three business pieces included in the proposal they submitted, it was the commodity purchasing and warehouse receipt services that we thought made them a particularly good partner for us. The warehouse receipts help ensure smallholders not only get better prices for their crops, but also help smallholder farmers get future financing. Here's Bashir again.
4: During the harvest, prices are very low for the farmer and he gets exploited. So the best way is for him to hold onto his crop, sell it later. So with the incoming of the warehouse receipts system, we've seen that the farmer is able to hold onto his crop sell it later, get, get some loan in between, and make a profit at the end of the year. And how that mechanism
0: works is, a farmer will come to raw processors with a certain volume of commodity. Raw processors will establish a market rate based on the commodity type, the volume, and in some cases, the commodity, the quality of the commodity. And they will issue a receipt to the farmer based on that current market rate. The farmer will hold on to that receipt with the hope slash expectation that the market price of that commodity is going to increase. Um, But the farmer can also use that receipt as collateral to obtain financing from a local financial institution. It's a couple of different things in terms of value added for the farmer. It's allowing them to store their commodity with the expectation and hope that the price is going to increase, but it's also addressing that immediate financing issue that the farmer faces. We should mention that there's always a downside risk with warehouse receipts. If the prices remain stable or go down rather than up, the farmer may lose money given that they are paying a price for storing until they cash in their warehouse receipt. In its training, RAB Processors covers these issues so that smallholder farmer customers can weigh the potential costs against potential benefits.
1: Due to lack of capital, RAB Mm. did not actually have any warehouses through which it could offer the receipt services to smallholders. And that's where we came in. Partnering for Innovation and RAB Processors designed a partnership for constructing the warehouses and to begin offering the receipt services to smallholder farmers.
4: You don't really have the warehouses and, and shops to be able to do your business. Initially, we, we thought that if we had to do it on our own, it may not be a viable because uh, the return could take longer than expected. And with uh, USAID coming in, that's an added advantage.
1: Let's dig into the pieces of this partnership and explore why this partnership has been successful so far. Do you remember the three aspects of a successful partnership?
0: Ensuring the health of the relationship, providing unique value and monitoring progress toward agreed upon goals.
1: In this case, ensuring the health of the relationship came naturally.
0: We formed a very close relationship by being very engaged and proactive. When Rob identified potential challenges, we troubleshooted them together. And at the same time, I raised challenges as well. For example, Rob Processors was facing difficulty acquiring land in certain locations, so we were able to modify the due dates for the construction-related milestones to take the challenges into account. Being able to work as a team makes the difference between reaching more farmers and doing so that contributes to Rob's bottom line.
1: And what about providing unique value?
0: An example of providing unique value? Well, just one example is that Rob was having a tough time with the volume of commodity that they were buying and storing in the warehouses. Weather and agriculture-related challenges, specifically droughts, made the amount of grain unavailable. I mean, farmers were not producing enough for the warehouse receipt system to make money for Rob. So, together we identified how much more time was needed in the partnership in order for Rob processors to purchase the volume of grain in their agreement, and also that contributed to their bottom line. Based on this analysis, we modified the specific milestone end dates to give Rob more time. During this process, I helped frame the justification for the modification, including the potential for further commercial and development impact as a result of extending the milestone due date.
1: Okay, so to provide some quick background, the Agriculture Commodity Exchange facilitates trade in Malawi to basically make the ag marketing system more transparent and less costly.
0: During a field visit, I also facilitated a discussion between USAID, Rob Processors, and Rob's subpartner, the Agricultural Commodity Exchange, to figure out a strategy for more effectively promoting the warehouse receipts model and ensuring that all partners saw value in their participation. I think collectively, we came up with some resolutions about how we could address the supply shortage in order for farmers to benefit from the warehouses. So we amended our sub board to make way for the changes we needed to make within the partnership to benefit the larger system affecting progress.
1: So, Mark just mentioned that as a result of confronting a challenge, we all needed to adjust. This was possible because of the pay-for-results approach. It allows us to focus on outcomes rather than the activities leading up to them. This means that once milestones are negotiated, partners can quickly and efficiently work towards achieving them. There really is a lot riding on the milestones not just because they are about getting results, but because if a partner misses one, they simply don't get paid. In practice, what it means is that if there is something going wrong, that it's affecting a milestone, and it isn't discussed, we can't really troubleshoot for it. But at the end of the day, we want the products and services in the hands of smallholder farmers. Therefore, we always want to work with partners to adaptively manage as we go along. Doing so requires trust and transparency, also a shared momentum. When those pieces are in place, when there's a healthy relationship, we can, like in the case of raw processors.
0: In terms of the process for modifying the agreement for raw processors, uh, it was initially addressed during a phone call about two months before the milestone due date. That doesn't always happen, but raw processors was very good at kind of understanding the modification processes and our internal constraints in terms of timelines as needed for USAID approval. Um, so when they initially proposed that there may need to be a potential modification, we had a discussion about what was causing them not to meet their milestone within the potential time frame. And by helping them understand that piece, I think they took a step back and were able to come up with some activities that would help them overcome the challenges that they were facing. So it's not just about identifying and modification is needed. It's also working with the company to help identify a solution to overcome some of these challenges.
1: So despite challenges, how are things turning out? Bashir is closest to it and is the best person to tell us.
4: Well, the warehouse receipt system is fairly new and rural farmers are illiterate. It'll take time. But we have seen that those that have been using the warehouse receipts have benefited because the amount of money they can get for the crop is much more. On on average, they are achieving something like uh, 15 to 20% more on the pricing.
1: A special thanks to everyone who participated in this episode, Bob Rabatsky, Elisa Burrows, and Mark Severe from Partnering for Innovation, Bashir Sama from RAB Processors in Malawi, I am your host Aviva Kutnik, Laura Ostenso produced this episode with fine tuning from Jamie Holbrook, and we will be back soon with a fifth episode all about Zambia, seeds, and two businesses working to get improved varieties into the hands of smallholder farmers. In the meantime, you can visit us at www.partneringforinnovation.org. That's www.partneringforinnovation.org to get more information and to see some great photos of the work we talked about today.